the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, this verse clarifies that he's referring to religious separation and religious separation only because he brings in the issue of temples and idols. What is he talking about? The Corinthians were involved, though, though they came to know Christ, they were still going to the uh, pagan temple in Corinth and worshiping not the true and living God, but joining their, their, their pagan friends and relatives in worshiping idols. It might seem amazing to us in this day and age, but that's what they were doing. And the Apostle Paul was extremely concerned. Come to think of it, he'd be pretty concerned about some of our practices today, too. As we hear today on Verse by Verse, we need to be careful not to fall into those same patterns. In fact, we need to be extra careful because false religions and idol worship are often not as obvious as bowing to idols or visiting temple prostitutes. Whatever false idol we might be worshiping, Paul tells us to come out of that. And he also tells us of the blessings when we do so. It's good to have you here today as Pastor Steve Kreloff launches into the first part of his concluding sermon on the topic of spiritual separation. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve's first four messages in this series were from chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. Today we move on to chapter 7, verse 1, which continues the line of thought Paul had going at the end of chapter 6. So if you're just joining us in this series, don't worry. Pastor Steve will give us some background, and at the end of the broadcast, if you want more, I'll let you know how you can listen to the whole series of studies. Grab your Bible now if you can. Here's Pastor Steve with today's class. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to read to you the first verse of this chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This morning, as we begin a new chapter in our study of 2 Corinthians, it's important to understand that this first verse of chapter 7 really belongs to the last section in chapter 6. Why the uh, those who divided the Bible as far as uh, into chapters and verses, didn't include this in chapter 6, I don't know. It definitely belongs there because verse 1 is Paul's crowning conclusion to all that he has said in the closing verses of chapter 6. And what he's been teaching us from chapter 6 is that believers in Christ should separate themselves from having any spiritual fellowship with non-Christians. He's not talking about separating ourselves uh, from social interaction. He's not talking about separating ourselves even from having financial interaction. He's talking about a religious separation. As you will recall, 
Paul began this section in chapter 6 by very forcefully commanding Christians to remove themselves from being bound together with unbelievers in religious alliances. He said that in verse 14. And this is really the, the whole crux of the matter. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Now, we understand what Paul is talking about. How do we understand this, that he's not talking about just isolate yourself and and uh, sort of run off to a monastery? How do we understand this, that it's anything but that? Because in his first letter to them, he made it very clear in chapter 5 that he wasn't talking about that because he said, if you were not to associate with unbelievers, if that's what I meant, then you'd have to remove yourselves from this world. He's not talking about that at all. Also, we know that he clarified his position in verse 16. Notice verse 16 of chapter 6. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, this verse clarifies that he's referring to religious separation and religious separation only because he brings in the issue of temples and idols. What is he talking about? The Corinthians were involved, though though they came to know Christ, they were still going to the uh, pagan temple in Corinth and worshiping not the true and living God, but joining their, their, their pagan friends and relatives in worshiping idols. So Paul is talking about that He said, forget that. Stop joining yourselves to them. We also know that Paul made it clear in his first letter that the Corinthians were exactly involved in this. This is precisely what they were doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he talks about the men who went up to the temple and were joining themselves to prostitutes who were temple priestesses. He also spoke in chapter 10 of that very first letter about uh, worshiping demons. He said that if you worship an idol, an idol is nothing, but standing behind every idol is a demon, so that there is a supernatural uh, quality to false religion. And so knowing that this separation would be very difficult for the Christians at Corinth, and it would be difficult because this was their way of life since birth. You understand that, that it's that, that, When Paul tells them to separate, this would have not been an easy thing for them. If you've been raised in a Christian home, you couldn't relate to this. You have to just take it by faith. There's nothing in your frame of reference about this, but these people were raised like this. Their culture and their religion intertwined. It was not separated. Paul is telling them to do something very, very difficult in their life. In fact, Michelle and I were just talking with Chuck and Shelley Rossico about that very same thing in, in their village town in Ecuador, that when a, someone gets saved, it's very difficult to separate from the paganism that comes from the Roman Catholicism around them. And, and they have feasts and festivals throughout the year. It's a very oppressive time. And it's very difficult to say, as a believer in that community, will not be a part of that. You'll be socially ostracized. And so this is really what they were up against. This is that sort of thing that the Corinthians were facing. And so Paul doesn't just tell them what to do. He doesn't just tell them to separate from unbelievers in a religious sense. He presents several arguments or reasons why they should do this. In other words, he's giving substance to this command. It was sufficient that he just told them to separate, but Paul is compassionate and the Lord understands that this would be difficult. So he gives them several reasons. We've looked at three of them why they should separate. Number one, believers and unbelievers are spiritually incompatible. 
Verse 14, he goes on to say, uh, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony is Christ with Belial, which is another name for Satan? What is a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And, he, and then he makes that comparison. What he's doing is he is, um, he is presenting believers and unbelievers together and saying they are complete opposites when it comes to anything spiritually. Anything that is of a spiritual nature, they possess opposite natures, opposite leaders, opposite spiritual possessions, and opposite objects of worship. We have nothing in common spiritually with unbelievers. You may have many things in common of a non-spiritual nature. You may enjoy the same restaurants. You may enjoy the same uh, uh, sports and interests and hobbies and even occupations. But spiritually, you have nothing in common. And so Paul's point in these verses is to say, since we have nothing in common spiritually with unbelievers, it just doesn't make any sense for us to participate in worshiping with them. Why would you do that? Even if you were raised like that, you have nothing in common now spiritually. But not only doesn't it make any sense to join unbelievers in worship, but Paul presents a second reason why believers should separate themselves from any spiritual fellowship with unbelievers. Not only are we spiritually incompatible with them, but secondly, we are commanded by God very clearly to separate from unbelievers. Notice verse 17. He says, and this is a command, therefore come out from their midst then be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. Now, what Paul does here is he's taking several Old Testament references in which God commanded Israel, ancient Israel, to separate themselves from the idolatrous nations around them. And Paul takes those references and he applies them to New Testament era Christians. And so by doing that, he clearly establishes the, the truth and the fact that God commands us as his people to disassociate ourselves from all forms of false religion, even if it's difficult, even if that's the way you were raised. It's a command. And this is why we can legitimately apply this principle of separation to today's situation. We're not at Corinth. We don't have the temple of Aphrodite in our, in our midst, but we do need to remove ourselves as believers from any organization, religious organization or church that denies the gospel and teaches a human works-oriented salvation. Now, what I mean by that is we don't separate ourselves from believers who have a different uh, view of prophecy. We don't separate ourselves from believers who have a different view of, of the mode of baptism. We don't separate ourselves from believers who have a, a different perspective on some of those relatively minor issues, but we do separate ourselves from unbelievers who deny the gospel. The issue is the gospel, the person and work of Christ, the gospel of grace. That is the drawing line. If a person denies the work of Christ on the cross and salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, they're not Christians. That's how the Bible defines a Christian. And we are to separate from them. Others, when we have different views on minor issues, but, we, but they embrace the gospel, they are our brethren and we dare not separate from them. But this is why we say that by way of application, it is very valid to say that if you are a believer in Christ, you must remove yourself from such uh, organizations as the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, any liberal Protestant church, uh, a modern cult or a Jewish synagogue. All of these organizations and religious institutions proclaim a message 
that denies the biblical truth about Jesus Christ and the gospel of God's grace. It's not to say we don't love people who are a part of that. It's not to say we don't reach out to people who are a part of that. It's not to say that we don't invite non-Christians even to our homes. We are to do all of that. But it is to say you don't go and worship with them. You have nothing in common spiritually, and God has commanded us to remove ourselves, to come out of their midst. So to participate in a common spiritual enterprise with unbelievers in the context of these organizations would be clearly to disobey God's command. God has made it very clear. Now, as I said before, that's not the easiest thing to do. That's not the easiest thing to do, and I understand that, and the Lord understands that. And so Paul gives, based on God's compassion, another reason to not be religiously bound with unbelievers. We're not compatible with them. We're commanded to separate. And thirdly, believers who separate from unbelievers experience a rich fellowship with God. And we've seen this before. Verse, notice the end of verse 17. I purposely left off this phrase, this sentence, and then verse 18. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and, and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty. This is a precious promise. It's a promise of welcome and and fatherly care to those Christians who experience the the pain of social rejection after turning away from worshiping with unbelievers. In other words, if uh, those who experience the pain of rejection due to no longer having spiritual fellowship with the unsaved can be assured that God is there to welcome you and he will give you his fellowship and you will never be alone and you will never lack for the richness of his fellowship. His fellowship and his tender care will more than compensate for anything that you've lost in removing yourself from unbelievers. This is, this is a, a statement of God's tenderness, a statement of his warmth. Now, if you disobey, you're, you're still a believer, but you will not experience the richness of God's fellowship. If you disobey him here and you choose to rebel against him and still remain in an organization like the ones we mentioned, then you will not be welcomed in the sense of God's fatherly and tenderly care. You will not enjoy the richness of his fellowship with you because you will be in disobedience to him. So this is very serious. So Paul has presented three strong reasons not to be bound with unbelievers in any type of common spiritual venture but there's still one more argument. And that's what we want to look at this morning as we really conclude our series on uh, spiritual separation. One more reason believers should separate from spiritual fellowship with unbelievers, it's this, because believers are the recipients of God's gracious promises. Now let's look at verse one and let's begin to deal with this. Verse one, and remember, it's just a continuation. There's no break in the thought. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilements of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, there are a number of truths that are in this, uh, in this verse. However, at the heart of this sentence is one basic command, and that's what I want you to see. One basic command, and it is the command to cleanse ourselves from all defilements of flesh and spirit. That's, that's the heart. That's the core of this verse. By continuing to worship idols with unbelievers, the Corinthians were defiling themselves or or contaminating themselves, and they needed to be cleansed. Just as if you get sick with a virus and it contaminates your whole body, it's not saying isolated, it contaminates your whole physical being. So false religion, Paul tells us, contaminates our entire spiritual being. It contaminates our spiritual lives. In other words, joining the unsaved 
in worshiping a man-made view of God always has an adverse effect on us spiritually. You can't be neutral. You can't be neutral on this. It pollutes our outward behavior as well as our inward thinking. It has an adverse effect on you. Now, I'm going to have more to say about that later, but I want at, at this point, I just want you to, to grasp that continuing to join unbelievers in false worship is detrimental to your spiritual health. It's a serious matter. It doesn't benefit at all your relationship with Christ. In fact, it harms it. It harms it. So, therefore, in light of how serious this whole thing of separation is, Paul makes one final appeal to the Corinthians. And this is the final appeal that that we're making and he's making through me and through the word of God to us as a church. This appeal, watch this, this appeal is based on God's grace and his kindness to us, his mercy. Notice how Paul begins this verse. Therefore, having these promises, beloved. Paul bases his appeal to the Corinthians to cleanse themselves from being stained by idolatry on God's kindness, his mercy in giving us certain promises. That's, that's the truth here. Now, now he's saying, since God has been so kind to you, you need to separate from unbelievers. Since God has been so merciful and so compassionate and so sweet and has blessed you immeasurably, therefore, you need to cleanse yourselves by separating. That's the point. Now, what are the promises he's referring to? Well, these are the promises he mentioned in chapter 6. You may not have looked at them as promises, but they are. And that's why he says, therefore, he opens chapter 7 by saying, therefore, because therefore looks back at what the promises he stated in the previous section. And Paul, by doing that, is making a logical conclusion application to what he's taught. Based on all of this, therefore, do this. Now, what are the promises he's, he's referring to? In verse 16, he says, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's a magnificent promise. It's a promise of God indwelling us. It's a promise of the Lord at salvation actually coming to take up residency in you and in me. We tend to take that for granted. We tend to make it simply a a theological statement, but what a glorious reality that is. The moment you turn from your sin and you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, unbeknownst to your physical eye, the Spirit of God, the third person of the triune God, took up residency in you. He'll be with you forever. God established a relationship with you by his grace. He chose you in eternity past. He drew you to himself. He gave you faith to to begin with. He opened your eyes. He showed you that you were a sinner. And then the moment you turned to Christ, he came to indwell you. You became one of his, and he became your God. Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he also said in chapter 3, he said in verse 19 of 6, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Jesus Christ purchased you. Dying on the cross, he purchased you. He has every right to do with you what he wants to do with you and what he has chosen to do with you. One thing, at least, is to indwell you. That's a glorious promise. No longer can we do our own thing. We belong to God and he belongs to us. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ. He indwells us. We are his people. He is our God. 
Never take that for granted. Never think it's coming to you. If you've been raised hearing the gospel all of your life, then this may just uh, be so familiar to you that it, doesn't gra- it hasn't grasped your, uh, your attention. But this is a glorious prom- promise. Nobody else has this. Lord's not dwelling in anybody else today. You, you hear that in modern theology, that you have the, the spark of divinity in you, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that only believers in Christ have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So that's promise number one. The second promise that Paul stated is the promise found at the end of verse six, uh, 17, rather, in verse 18, where he says, I will welcome you and I'll be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me. To those believers who obey him in turning away from idolaters and idolatry, God promises to welcome them. It's a promise to welcome them into his loving and fatherly care. It's a promise of, of tenderness and giving and caring as he provides for us as a father provides for his own children. It's a great promise. It's a wonderful promise. When my mother and my father forsake me, the psalmist said, then the Lord will take me up. The Lord will take care of me. So it's in light of these incredible promises by God, have a relationship with us. He loves us. He treats us as his beloved children that Paul makes an appeal. And his appeal is this. You Corinthians need to, in light of how good God has been to you, walk away from idols. In other words, if God has been so gracious to you, how can you continue worshiping a false God? How can you do that? Out of gratitude for his love and mercy and grace in your life, you must separate from worshiping idols with unbelievers. Now, I think there's a glorious truth here, a principle that that is even broader than what Paul is, is specifically teaching us here. And it's this. The more you and I appreciate the grace of God in our lives, the greater will be your obedience to the Lord out of a heart of thanksgiving. The more you understand the great reform doctrines of, of human and total and radical depravity and God's grace to deal with us, the more grateful you will be to the Lord. Because you will say with Paul, in Rome, like he said in Romans 7, there is no good thing that dwells in me. Nothing in and of ourselves would merit God's favor and God's grace and God working in our lives. It is only God's sovereign grace that draws any of us into salvation. And when you grasp that, you will be a thankful person. And, and Christians who are grateful are obedient Christians. Remove that. Think that, that somehow you uh, mustered up faith, that somehow you figured out the gospel, that somehow it's left up to you, that you on your own accord chose Christ. You're not going to be that grateful. Because why? Because it has something to do with you. But if it has nothing to do with you and all of God's grace, you will be a grateful Christians, a Christian, because you realize that you have him to thank and nobody else, and it will affect the way you live. Now, Paul is, is focusing in on that principle and saying, if God has been so kind as to indwell you and to establish a relationship with you, how can you continue worshiping idols? How can you do that? When we begin to understand the magnitude of the debt that God has forgiven us, How can we possibly want to do anything but please Him? Scripture is full of admonitions telling us to be thankful, and that attitude is always connected to our behavior. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
If you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, I know you'll find great Bible teaching and a warm welcome at Lakeside. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For more information, call the office at 727-441-1714 or browse online to lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is one of Lakeside's ministries, and we have our own website, versebyverseradio.org. While we are an outreach of Lakeside, we depend largely on the gifts of generous listeners like you for the finances needed to meet our production and airtime expenses. There are two convenient ways to give if you're led to do so. One is through the giving page at our website, and the other is by phone. Just call Lakeside at the number I gave a minute ago, 727 727- 441-1714. We're thankful to and for those who give and pray, and whether you can give or not, we're happy to have you with us. My favorite website feature, though, is our message archive page. It's a great place to just explore and see which broadcasts might cover what you're looking for, or to get caught up if you miss something in our current series. Either way, these files are free for you to enjoy at any time. That's at versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. On our next verse-by-verse, Pastor Steve will explain more fully why, if we're involved in a liberal church, we need to get out of it. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.